Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host Icy Cedric, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Hello and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. I hope everyone had an absolutely marvellous time for Halloween. We are now obviously into November. I can't believe where this year has gone. This is something like episode number 42 or 43 and it just seems like yesterday that I started them but of course that was January. Anyway, because we had our Halloween theme last month, this month we're going to have a look at folklore of old places like wild and mysterious and forbidding kind of a nice counterpoint to the urban folklore that we did the other month and you can't really do folklore of wild places without looking at Dartmoor. Dartmoor is a bit of a strange place I have been although many many years ago and it really does just embody the concept of wildness. It is a national park it's in southern Devon if you've never been and it's got rocky outcrops, it's got Stone Age remains, and it's got more ghosts and legends than you can actually shake a stick at. You've got headless horsemen, black dogs, bottomless pools, and I don't know how many stories involve the devil himself popping up to cause havoc. It's amazing. It's also hardly surprising that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle would choose to put the Hound of the Baskervilles on Dartmoor, because where else in the country would that really have worked? So the thing is, with so many stories in such a huge area, it is quite difficult to narrow them down for a single podcast episode because, let's be honest, we would be here for several days if I was to go through all of them. And quite frankly, I'm sure you and I have other things to do. But we are going to have a look at the stories found along the B3212 road and there is a reason for that, which shows the variety of legends found on the moors. And we're going to start off with the hairy hands of Dartmoor. And this is perhaps one of Dartmoor's most famous stories, which is why we're starting with it first. And it was also a topic that was requested for the episode as well. So I thought we'll start off with that. And as you might imagine by the name, it involves a pair of spectral hairy hands and they apparently grip your steering wheel or your handlebars if you're driving or on a motorbike or even a bicycle and they force you off the road and onto the moor. And I was looking through the entries on British newspaper archive and someone defining themselves as a lover of Dartmoor even wrote to the Western Times in 1928 because they'd seen notices on either side of the road near Morton Amstead. And according to the letter, the signs had beware of death by the hairy hands written on them. You've got to admit, if you saw that by the side of the road, you probably would be curious. So the letter writer was writing in asking for more information. Now, 1921 marks the first reported death although sources do kind of vary as to when the incidents actually began. Some cite the early 1900s, others say 1910, but in everything that I looked at, the first ones where people are actually specific about what happened was 1921 in June. And a Dr Helby, who was a medical officer at the nearby Dartmoor prison, was riding a motorbike with his children in a sidecar. And the girls were the only witnesses, and they explained later how their father had lost control of the motorbike, and he shouted for them to jump clear. They did, and he continued to try to wrestle the handlebars to get the bike back under control until his fatal crash. Now, an article in the Dundee Evening Telegraph claimed that there had been three incidents by October 1921, which was basically some four months after the initial death. 
The second incident involved a motorcyclist carrying a pillion passenger. And this time the, the passenger actually described a hand, like physically described a hand, grabbed the handlebars before the bike became unwieldy. And a third incident actually involved an officer who later, and I quote, stated that he actually felt two large muscular hairy hands close over his own and force him into the side of the road in spite of his resistance, end quote. And if that wasn't enough, the hands widened their reach, no pun intended, in 1924, and a couple were camping just north of Plymouth in a caravan, and the woman woke up during the night to see a large hand crawling up the window, and only making the sign of the cross caused the hand to vanish. So it's not like it was attached to an arm, it was literally just a hand. Well, that's what she said. And according to Tim Sandals, who runs the legendary Dartmoor website, a visitor actually saw the hands pressed against the windscreen of her car in 1962 when she stopped to check a map. And in 2008, so obviously we're bringing this quite, well I say quite up to date, it seems like that was just a couple of years ago and it wasn't, it was like 11 years ago, but never mind. In 2008, a motorist reported seeing the hands grab his steering wheel. So what are the hands, apart from being hands, and who do they belong to? Well, the article in the Dundee Evening Telegraph from 1921 cites a Mr Gifford and apparently he's interested in psychic matters and he explains that the hands would be either those of an elemental or nature spirit or the earthbound spirit of some such person as a murderer. Personally, I'm a little bit surprised that an elemental would just manifest the hands just to cause mischief like that, but whatever. And on another forum that I found, Chris Berglund actually gave a different theory. And he'd said that a motorcyclist had died on the road in the 1920s. Fair enough, that's true. We There's evidence of that. But in this version, the spectral rider then takes control of the car or bike to prevent accidents. So in this case, it's it's the first motorcyclist who then intervenes to try and improve people's driving essentially although that doesn't really make sense because there would have to have been one before Dr Helby if he'd been struggling with someone trying to control his bike for him. Now a post on the BBC's local Devon website did note that the area was quite notorious for accidents and survivors usually mention the appearance of the hands but the locals are sceptical and a lot of them think it's because people are trying to drive too fast along these quite narrow high-walled roads so if you have an accident what better way to basically blame someone else and go it wasn't me it was the hairy hands or alternatively it could be the road itself as i say the b3212 lays claim to plenty of weird stories that we're going to have a look at in a minute and i'm not going to say it's ley lines or anything like that because that theory does have its own problems and do let me know if you want an episode on ley lines but it does seem quite unusual that so many incidents would happen so close together one of those places that's just off the b3212 is Crockern Tor, and this lies between powder mills and two bridges. And between 1305 and 1759, the Tinners Parliament had twice yearly open air meetings at the Tor. Now, this was the local tin mining community that would send representatives, and they'd all basically meet up and have a, a discussion about the industry. However, they weren't alone while they were having these meetings because a horseman riding a skeleton steed, and he's known as Old Crockern, the horseman, not the steed, haunts the area. Sally and Chip's barber claim that no one knows who he is or why he haunts the area, but Tim Sandals actually notes that Old Crockern is apparently, and I quote, the ancient pagan god of Dartmoor, end quote, and you can actually see his profile in the rock formations on the tour. Now, this version of Old Crockern saw the ancient god actually intervene when a man moved to the moor from Manchester. He turned up and looked at the moor and was like, oh my god, this is so bleak and desolate, why is no one farming it properly? So decides he's going to bring all his newfangled machinery. 
and a god actually passes a warning on through a local man, the man ignores him, tries to bend the moor to his will, nothing he tried worked and this would-be farmer basically ended up a broken man from his efforts. So what of the skeleton's deed in this particular story? Well, Sandals does mention this version and he says that old Crocken and his hellhounds pursue travellers crossing the moor on dark and stormy nights. He doesn't say why, which will be interesting to know, but I can well believe Dartmoor having its own spirit and I'm fascinated by the concept of the genius loci, which is the the concept of a spirit of a place and it does kind of stand to reason that a mysterious and often unforgiving place like Dartmoor would have its own entity too. Speaking of spirits, there's also a phantom black dog because obviously, you know, if you're going to have ghosts, you've got to have a black dog in there. And according to a local legend, his master was actually murdered on the moor. Now, this faithful pet haunts the road, still searching for the killer. I would imagine he's never found him. But in the 19th century, a traveller was just walking along the road and this dog happened to fall in a step alongside him. He was a dog lover and obviously you, you know yourself if you're a dog lover you're like oh yes excellent a dog and you went to pet him and his hand went straight through the animal instead. Now according to Sally and Chip's barber the man was actually struck by lightning and he did survive but no one's any the wiser about the whereabouts of the dog. Further along the B3212 you'll find the Warren House Inn which is a pub as you might imagine and it actually used to stand on the other side of the road from its current position. And according to Tim Sandals, the original inn actually dates to around about 1760 to service the area's booming tin mining industry. Now, the newer inn actually dates to 1845, and an old tradition claims the fire in the hearth has burned continuously since that year. But the bit we're going to have a look at, there's loads of stories associated with the inn, but this particular one caught my eye, and it's that there was a murder at the inn. But it's not a murder in the conventional sense of the word because two men got into an argument in the bar apparently over money and one of them threatened the other one and a few nights later the aggressor secretly drew a chalk circle around the feet of his nemesis so obviously that straight away makes you go air eh, what and a short time later the second man obviously who had the circle drawn around his feet he took ill and died so people wondered did his opponent kill him using witchcraft I'm going to hazard a guess and say no, because generally you would draw a circle to keep good things in and bad things out. So why you would draw a circle around someone's feet, I don't know. But again, people do strange things. And as this is Dartmoor, it is anybody's guess. The fact that the guy didn't know that the person had drawn around his feet is is quite interesting, though, because he couldn't claim it was something psychosomatic after that. And incidentally, about a mile further north up the road from the inn is a hollow where the road suddenly dips. And... You might imagine, yes, it's going to be quite cold because it's a dip in the road, but people have actually reported a sudden sense of cold that's much stronger than it should be, and even a sense of like, oh my God, this is terrible kind of fear on the spot. And their pet dogs often react badly as well. And cyclists have even said that they felt their bikes become completely unstable, but then everything's been fine when they've got back out of the dip. So again, who has any idea what's going on on that road? You will also find a very mysterious spot called the Watching Place, where the B3212 meets the B3344 to Manitoton, and it's even named on the road sign. And I did actually double check this on Google Maps because I was like, what? Really? And yeah, it's got the roads pointing each direction and then a big long vertical one down the middle of the sign just saying Watching Place. But who or what actually does the watching there? There are several theories because, you know, Dartmoor is a mysterious place. And in one theory, the local lord built a gallows at the edge of his land. 
and high women in this area made up the bulk of those condemned to the gallows. And obviously the, the B3212 wouldn't have been so in years gone by, but it would have still been a major route to get between different places, particularly Exeter. So obviously high women built up, made up the bulk of those condemned to the gallows. And obviously quite a few of them were left hanging long after their death. It was supposed to be a way of going, oh, look at what happened to you. But it obviously clearly not, not much of a deterrent. Now their friends and family would basically watch their last moments in this place, hence the name. There's also the idea that this was actually the spot where the high women watched for their prey. And Tim Sandals actually names this high women as John Fall, who patrolled the road from here to Bugshead Cross. So he would obviously be watching in that place. He also relates the theory that the spot marked the edge of the parole boundary. So there were Napoleonic prisoners, both French and American actually, held at nearby Dartmoor prison. And they were basically allowed a certain area in which to roam. And bounty hunters would watch here to make sure that prisoners didn't overstep the boundary and go too far. And finally, Sally and Chip's barber say that animals often react quite strongly in this in this area. So they think, oh, does that mean someone or something is still watching? But Sandals then relates the tale of a spectral hand in the area that reaches for the bridles of passing horses. And it makes the horses obviously start kicking up a bit of a fuss. So it does make you wonder, is this ghost related to the hairy hands further along the road, grabbing bridles instead of handlebars? It's really strange that this is all on the, on the same road. I mean, it's a really, really, really long road, mind. So it's it, it, it there's umpteen reasons why it might be. It just seems odd that you'd have such a concentration along one road. And finally, because obviously we are getting on for time, we're going to end with a strange tale in Morton Hampstead. And I've looked everywhere online and I can't find any mention of this. It only appears in a little booklet called Dark and Dastardly Dartmoor. And this booklet was first printed in 1988 and reprinted in 1990. And I can't remember when I got my copy because it would be whenever I was in holiday on holiday in Devon. And I want to say that was about 1993. So it just tells you how long ago it was since I was in Dartmoor. But I'm going to relate this story here just in case anyone's heard anything more about it. And you can let me know and I can update the blog post and the podcast episode to say, yeah, there's this extra information or no, it's bollocks. So if you can let me know if you know anything else, that would be fab. So this is us collecting folklore and being proper folklorists now. But anyway, so the B3212 passes through the village on the way to Exeter. And a cottage apparently once stood in the village called Millbrook Cottage. And the Milton family lived here during World War II. Obviously, the way that cottages will, it passed from being in a state of disrepair into basically almost being derelict and the family moved out. But this is the thing. Something seems to have remained and strange things started happening at 9.15pm. So in Dark and Dastardly Dartmoor, there are three incidents related. In one, a figure walks through the snow in the garden, but leaves no footprints and just disappears. It vanishes into thin air. An invisible figure grabs a man by the throat and actually manages to knock him to the ground. And then a small boy appears to run through an open door, but he disappears just as the clock strikes 9.15. So why 9.15? For one thing, normally incidents happen during the witching hour and we've done an episode on that way back when. So if you're interested in that, you can always check that out. But the thing is, for many incidents to happen at the same time, it does kind of imply that something momentous happened to imprint on the atmosphere, if you believe in that particular theory of ghosts. I'm not 100% sure that I do, but then again, that's a, that's basically a podcast episode for another time, because that's just a, an episode in and of itself. But aside from that, it does make you wonder, when you look at these different incidents, why everything seems to happen 
on this one road. Obviously, there's loads of other things happening on Dartmoor as well, and they're, they're, they're sort of they're quite spread out. And I suppose, obviously, one of the reasons why there would seem to be such a, a, a number of them along this road is because it is a major road across Dartmoor, which means more people will use it, therefore more people will report things, I guess. Whereas if it was just out in the middle of the moor, you might have maybe one or two people ever encounter it. I don't know. It is quite interesting, though. And I do think it shows you the nice range of things that happen on Dartmoor. So you've got, you know, these spectral hands and, you know, you've got the ghost that's pulling at the bridle of the horses and you've got these ghosts that apparently only appear at 9.15 and, and so on. And, you know, you can't get much better than an actual ancient pagan Gonovan area. So that's that's the episode on Dartmoor. Hopefully that's given you a flavour for its quite wild and strange setting if you've ever been to Dartmoor if you want to email me or tweet me and let me know how that went for you that would be grand obviously Hound Tour from Hound of the Baskervilles is on Dartmoor and that's that'd be brilliant next week we're going to move to another really wild and remote part of the country which is where I am Northumberland and we're going to have a look at some murderous dwarves because you know from one extreme to the other so hopefully you will enjoy Northumberland next week in the meantime have an absolutely fabulous week ahead and I will see you soon. Cheerio! Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com, and that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images, and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead, and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!